cue motivational music. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name's Dean and I'm a designer on a quest. A quest to further understand the creative industry and learn as much as this noggin will hold. Join me as I share my discoveries and tap into the minds of some of the most well-respected creatives in the world. This is my creative therapy. Hello and welcome to episode 15. So today I'm joined by one of the godfathers and one of my personal heroes of design, Joe Duffy. So <laughs> it's really weird. I listened to this uh, episode a couple of days ago. And one of the things that I've noticed since I started the podcast is that the more nervous or excited I get, the faster I speak. <laughs> And you can definitely hear it in this one. And um, it's something I'm going to work on. But in this episode, Joe talks about how he went from studying fine art to working as a technical illustrator before making his mark in the world of graphic design. Why he was known as the Generator Man, his friendship with Milton Glaser, who was best known for designing the I Love New York logo, and loads more. Thank you. It's a, it's an absolute honor to have you on here with me. I'm literally an, an all-time fan, and it feels super weird that I'm experiencing this right now, but I am, <laughs> I'm super honored. So thank you so much. Uh, Whereabouts are you in the world right now, then? Um, we're at our home in um, Arizona. Oh, nice. Out in the desert at the foot of the mountains, um, not too far from Phoenix, about 50 miles east of Phoenix in Arizona. And so we live here, oh, for about three three months during the wintertime. Beautiful. That sounds... Yeah. I'm in the, um, the southwest <laughs> of England, which, yes. which sounds boring in comparison. No, it's, um, it's beautiful. I love England. Do you get to come over here very often? I haven't for quite some time. I mean, we had an office there way back when in the 90s. Um, so at that point in time, I was there every month. Wow. and uh in, enjoyed it uh, very much we had an office in london nice so yeah joe if you don't mind i'd love to just jump in and get get to the practical stuff because sure. in, in my in my eye i would consider you the one of the godfathers of design <laughs> wow <laughs> um so can you just take us back to sort of when you started i know you started in in fine art and you got into the industry that way. Uh, can you just explain to us how how you transitioned from fine art into design? Well, yeah, I, I mean, it was <laughs> it was one of those things. I uh, went to school and studied uh, fine art, primarily painting, sculpture, um, and uh, I wanted to paint pictures for a living. Um, married my wife Patsy when we were twenty years old, um, and we had our first child, Bridget shortly thereafter and then um, um, I couldn't make any money <laughs> couldn't make enough money to support my uh, my young family um, so Patsy's father was a marketing director of a manufacturing company in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis mm -hmm. um, and uh, they he said we have an opening in the art department um, would you like the job and I said of course um, and he said well, it's for a technical illustrator. <laughs> so right. uh, he said, can you do that? And I said, of course, I can do any kind of art. So I took the job and uh, I became a technical illustrator, which basically meant that I would do exploded views, detailed views of engines. Ah, is this where you got your nickname, the generator man? <laughs> That's me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so we... Uh, 
Um, we did that. I did it for four years. And then as I was doing that in the technical art department there, I learned about printing. I learned about uh, photography, typesetting, because we did all those things ourselves. And then they had me do posters and uh, uh, covers of brochures for products and whatnot, mm -hmm. uh, because I knew I could do art, uh, fine art as well as technical. And uh, that kind of led to graphic design by, by learning, um, coming from fine art and painting, and then learning the technical aspects. Um, and uh, that's, that's what got me into art direction and commercial illustration and eventually graphic design. Wow, that's, that's quite some transition. So I, I yeah. seen somewhere that before, before Duffy started in uh, 1984, you spoke to Milton Glaser and Woody Pirtle. How come it was, it was those guys that you decided to reach out to? Was there any reason in particular? Well, I've always wanted um, to combine art and design. Mm -hmm. um, coming from fine art, um, I had the artistic skills. I love to paint. I paint literally every day these days. And um, so I wanted to have a job as a designer, but I wanted to do it in the way that Woody and, um, and uh, Milton did, mm -hmm. which was by creating art and um, utilizing that artistic skill into creating design, identities and posters and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, as you said, I, I just called them up and said, could I ever visit your studios? And they both said, sure. Wow. Went down, saw how um, Milton Glaser ran his shop in New York and how Woody Pirtle ran his shop in, uh, in Dallas. And uh, I learned so much from that and then I ended up uh, opening Duffy Design in 1984. Wow, that, that's awesome, just to be able to call it Milton Glaser. How, how was he? Was he very opening and welcome? Or... He, he was, and we've stayed in touch. In fact, uh, my son Joseph, who now runs our design company, um, and myself went and visited Milton just uh, two summers ago uh, wow. in New York. And he's still working, still has his shop, um, and uh, I think he's like 80, 84, 85 years old, but um, he's, he's still the same. Wow. He's, um, he's a fine artist as well as a designer, and um, he's, uh, he's a great guy. That's awesome. You, should, you two should get in contact and maybe do some collaboration on some sort of painting and get it out there. Yeah, it'd be fun. That'd be beautiful. But I mean, one of the reasons why I respect you so much, and it, it touches on what we were talking about, not just as a designer, but as a person, is because uh, you sort of, you combined, you combined what you wanted to do with what you were good at to make a living. And I think I've seen an interview you did with Rob Johnston, or Rob Johnson, where, oh, yes, where yeah. he said one of the problems with the design business is that too many people are in it for having a job and making money rather than having a great life and doing what you're proud of. And I, I, I totally agree. And I think it's the reason, I mean, if you think of the reason why we want to get into the industry, it's to make a difference through design, whether that be commercially or, or not. Um, but annoyingly, in this day and age, for some anyway, the turnover of work doesn't give us enough time to be creative. And I think as technology advances, the need for design will too, resolving in a quicker turnaround time, which will sort of dilute that creative process. Yes. Is this something that you're starting to see? 
Yeah, I, you know, it's, um, I mean, when I started, um, we didn't use computers. Mm. <laughs> I mean, they weren't there. Um, and uh, it, it obviously it wasn't about uh, creating websites and interactive campaigns, et cetera. Um, it was about combining art and creating it in such a way that it would project a brand um, to be differentiated and tell the brand story, mm. but in an artistic way. And um, you're right. I mean, everything is moving so fast today that it's 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 difficult. That combined with the fact that there are so many designers today. Mm. Um, I think one of the things that happened way back when, when we started, is it became popular. I mean, there weren't that many designers back in the 80s and 90s. Um, but it became popular and it became, I think, um, a way of making a living that... Um, provided enjoyment mm. because it, it is art. And so more and more young people got into it, um, designed programs in universities, colleges all over the world, um, started focusing on design um, as a curriculum. Mm. And so more and more people got into it. And I think, you know, the, part of the problem is, is that a lot of people got into it who didn't really have artistic skills. Mm. And with technology, um, it's it, it, it's so much easier to uh, push here, push there, combine things, mm. and create a design, even if you don't have artistic skills. But the problem there is that if you don't have artistic skills, you can't do great design. Mm. Um, that coupled with the fact that so many people got into it, um, and and that kind of waters down the business of design. One of the problems that uh, that designers face today, particularly design firms, is that because there are so many designers out there all over the world, um, there are many of them who are willing to work for next to nothing. Yeah. And there are so many clients who really don't know the difference <laughs> between good design, bad design, yeah. and great design that they're saying they're shopping for it like they would shop for someone to you know deliver their packages to a store and um and then that waters down the quality of design and uh, i think it's it, it's hurt the business at least relative to the way it was you know back 20 30 years ago mm. No, I completely agree. It's quite frustrating. There are a few websites that spring to mind where it's very similar to what you've been talking about. Well, you have one client send a brief out to 100,000 designers saying, I want something yes. doing. And then 100,000 designers will come back and say, I'll do it for $2. No, I'll do it for yeah. $1.50. I'll do it for 50 cent. And then b before you know it, it's just, it's it's how much you sort of value your your work and your time, I guess. And it, it's quite, it's quite sad in a way that it is. that sort of stuff is happening. But I guess from people who are creating those sort of platforms, it's, it's unfortunately a moneymaker. Yes. Um, but just going back to sort of when we were talking about like sort of everyone's a designer, was it slightly frowned upon when you were sort of getting into design by the your elders? Was it sort of uh, were they sort of saying, you know, there's no money to be made in art, there's no money to be made in design? Because I, I kind of see that now, 
it's very similar with sort of like social media because social media has come across and the older generation it's hard of it's hard for them to sort of understand how quick it's come but obviously the younger generation have grew up with it and for if 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 i had a child and they they said they wanted to get into social media and i knew nothing about it i i probably laugh and i'd say you know there's no money to be made in social media what are you doing but obviously i'm completely wrong so back then was it sort of was it frowned upon it in any way or was it seen as something that everyone could make a living from well i i mean my parents my teachers when i was a teenager um and when i told them that i wanted to be an artist they said that's ridiculous Mm. you'll starve to death there are so few artists who actually make a good living um and don't don't go there and uh my parents said, don't go to art school. My teachers in high school said, don't go to art school. Mm-hmm. Um, become a lawyer or go to medical school or or uh, go into business or what have you. And um, I was persistent. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so glad I was because I know so many people my age who did go into uh, the business of you know making money. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, their lives have not been fulfilling even though many of them have made lots of money they're um they didn't wake up in the morning and look forward to going to work Mm. as i did every day um the fact that i got up and i knew that i could (laughs) go create something um made my life complete and it made my relationships with my family and my friends and just day-to-day living so much better because of that. And I think that's really, really important. You have to, I think, live a life and have a career um, that is fulfilling Hmm. and that is enjoyable. Otherwise, you're not going to be a happy person, especially when you get older. It's interesting when you were talking about education as well, because I've spoken to a, a few creative influencers over the past few months who some have online educational platforms, and um, they sell a lot of their services. And some suggest that their methods might be more beneficial than traditional education because of the speed in which things are moving. Yes. You, I guess you could agree, agree with that, but at the same time, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to accept it. Yes, I it think. is. Yeah, going back to what you were saying about stop going to stop going to work, it reminds me of a, an article that I seen you published. I think it was with Fast Company, and you said, "When I'm happy, I'm more creative and more productive. When I'm productive, I feel accomplished and happy. When I'm happy, I'm most creative. It's a good, not a vicious cycle." And I, I think that's a great quote. And um, I was speaking to a, an author a few days ago about one of his books. It was called How to make creative ideas and we were talking about the the motivation and the inspiration cycle to get up and do something that you really want and I I read a few years ago a really nice quote from a book I can't remember what it was called but it said something like inspiration doesn't lead to motivation motivation leads to inspiration and I think what it meant by that was a lot of people when they have an idea in mind they jump online and they start looking at similar ideas yes and they spend so long doing that that they just they don't get time to actually do the thing they wanted to do whereas if they just got into it and started making what they wanted to do before they know it that motivation will lead to inspiration which will lead to motivation Mm -hmm. and the the, the ball will get rolling and they're on that journey yes that's so true Um, 
I mean, my 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 inspiration comes from everyday life, and you know, obviously there are maybe ten different projects that I'm working on. Some of them are, are fine art, some of them are design. Mm -hmm. They're all in my head. Um, I'll go out for a run, or I'll go out on my bike, and it, it seems <laughs> to me, uh, particularly you know, as I've gotten older, the more I, my heart rate gets up. <laughs> the more um, I kind of physically exert myself, the more mm -hmm. ideas pop into my head. But that's typically the way it works. I'm thinking about these things all the time. Hmm. Um, but then I'll go out and I'll do something that isn't related to sketching or, you know, uh, looking at other inspirational uh, pieces of art. It just, it all of a sudden pops into my head and then I will come back um, sketch it out, get on the computer, um, look at different aspects of how I could actually treat this idea that popped into my head. And then uh, from there, it goes forward. But the original idea, whether it's for a logo or a package or a painting or what have you, um, starts with that germ of an idea in my head. And then I can, mm. you know, start working it out and and obviously it changes over the course of the the process but um, um, the original idea is i think either good or bad and then mm -hmm. you take it from there yeah that, that's super interesting I completely agree it's almost like the uh, the eureka moment the yes. ideas come to you when you're least when you least expect it whether you're in the shower or just going for a run right uh maybe not trying to overwork your brain and just let something pop into it rather than trying to find it yeah from Sonny's Chocolate to, to Co to Mall of America, or even before then, was there a project that made you realize this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? Oh, let's see. I mean, that would that would be way back. Um, mm. You know, or was it the the first Valentine's card that you made your <laughs> wife when you were seven years old? Is that right? Yeah, that could seven be years it. Old. That could be it. I don't remember what it looked like, but uh, I'm sure it was inspirational <laughs> to both of us. Yeah, no, I, it. I started um, actually when I was five years old in kinder mm -hmm. kindergarten. Um, I went to a Catholic school, and the uh, the nun had all of us draw a picture of our favorite patron saint, and I mm -hmm. drew a picture of Saint Michael the Archangel, and um, and she put all of the the uh, pictures up on the wall, and everyone gathered around mine, and all the kids said, "You didn't do that. That's too good." <laughs> and from that moment on, you know, it's kind of like whether you're playing football or uh, whatever, if you realize that you're the best of everyone in the group, you want to pursue that and continue to become better at it. And that's what I thought from, from five years old on. I could do art better than the rest of the kids. So, um, you know, that that's what pushed me along. That's so interesting that you remember the first piece of art that you were sort of, uh, you know, that assignment. Was going crazy about. <laughs> I know, right? I was thinking the other day. I remember the first drawing I did. It was a. I remember where I was as well. I was probably around about, probably about a similar age, probably about five. And I was at a friend's across the road, and I seen him drawing on a on a notepad. And I just seen the way he was connecting shapes together and just making stuff. 
So I, I grabbed a bit of paper and I drew a, no word of a lie, I drew a skateboard and I drew like a wire coming off the skateboard leading to some TNT. Really strange. I'm not sure why that's just popping into my head. But um, you could probably sell that for a lot of money today. <laughs> you probably would, yeah. I should put it on eBay. Yes. Again, for people, the, the sort of the younger generation who are interested in getting into the industry, what would you say it is that, because there's, there is a lot of designers, like you say, what is it that sort of separates the good from the, the really good? I think if you go back through time and look at all the designers who have done the best work today and 50 years ago or more, it's the one who, ones who have the artistic skills. I mean, I, I hate to be repetitive here, but I think mm. that there are a lot of designers who are into the technology today or are into, um, I don't know, uh, too much of the business aspects and how to make money or how to work for a big yeah. client, even if a big client won't allow you to do good work. Mm -hmm. um, it's the designers who have those artistic skills, I think, and that hold to them because as with any business, there's a, um, there's a tremendous amount of compromise for the sake of making more money. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that I've always um, done in our business is I've kept our company small because the larger it gets, uh, the more overhead you have, mm -hmm. the more money you have to make, and the more likely you are to compromise the integrity of your design. And I've been faced uh, so many times over the years with clients who would not allow us to do work that we would be proud of. And I have always said goodbye. Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've always had that as a policy. If a client, regardless of how much money they're, they're paying us, um, is forcing us to do something that we wouldn't want to put on our website or show other designers. We, mm -hmm. we just will say, I'm sorry. And, and we actually have that in our contract that we have with wow. all of our clients is that um, if, if we are unable to reach agreements on this project, um, you will pay us for the amount that we have done to that time and then uh, mm -hmm. we will turn everything over to you and uh, you know, take it from there. And I think that's really, really important because uh, if you don't do that, obviously design is a business and the unfortunate thing, as we mentioned earlier, so many people think they're designers when they aren't. And I've been told mm -hmm. by uh, some big companies, well, you know, I think you should do it in blue or I think you should do it like this. Mm -hmm. um, or my wife likes this color or whatever. And it's like there's arbitrary decisions. And then also I think that there are a lot of people in business, um, in marketing groups and what and not, uh, who kind of want to claim the credit for creating the new identity or designing the new package or whatever. So they want to be a part of the creative process. And I think it's absolutely essential that clients are part of the creative process. And we do this mm -hmm. thing where we create um, a creative brief, uh, where we take imagery and we present it to the client, uh, imagery that we believe will help tell the story of their brand. And they'll pick and choose imagery uh, and they'll say, well, I, I think, you know, 
this image doesn't work, this one does. And together we put together um, this visual collage, which we call a visual brief. Mm. And the client, um, I mean, we started doing this way back when, and I can't tell you how much good it has done for our business because the client wow. then is a part of the creative process. And then when we present our designs based on that creative brief that we did together, they are far less likely to say, I don't like it, or where did that come from? Because they oh, yeah. literally helped invent it. They mm -hmm. look at the visual brief, and then they look at the designs that we present, and they realize that we did this together. And uh, it, it, it just, it changed our business and design many, many years ago. And um, I know a lot of other people are doing it that way now because you do need mm. to collaborate and you do need to let the client in on the creative process, but they have to come in at the right time at the beginning mm -hmm. and not when you're actually, you know, choosing the typeface or the color scheme or, or what have you. Um, so that's, yeah. that's been very helpful for our business. Yeah, it is a shame to lose that uh, connection that you have with the clients during that process of creating artwork or whatever it is with the brand. And you obviously lose that when you use websites like Fiverr.com and yeah. Tenor.com or whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really nice just to get the client in on the process, just to see how things work internally and just to make them aware, I think, of how the creative process works and things ideas are just pulled from thin air you know there's a there's a method to the madness there's a reason why you you've chose that that typeface with a slight serif on the end you know there's no you haven't just chose it because it looks nice there's there's a reason to it yeah, it works and i yeah. think it, I, yeah i think it's tricky for uh non-designers or non-creatives i think it's difficult for that to sink in <laughs> they're almost not asking you to create something brand new and refreshing they're almost telling you to create something that they've that they've sketched and attached in an email yeah. you know it's it's almost like they've got the idea that's that's what we want i guess it's a it's a time well it's a, it's an exciting time because no no one really knows where it's going and it's the it's the same with trends within design the trends evolve uh, as quick as they do now back when you when you started yeah i, I think they did um I, you know, it, we kind of started some trends um, relative to making handmade art and turning that mm -hmm. into um, design. In fact, <laughs> I was just thinking about this the other day. We were, um, uh, when Charles Spencer Anderson and myself uh, were working early on at Duffy in the mid to late 80s, you know, we, we, we built everything by hand. We did all of our own art um, mm -hmm. for posters, for packages, for whatever. And uh, we were told by some designers at the time um, uh, that we were really illustrators. We weren't designers um, because mm -hmm. we were making the art and they were hiring an illustrator or a photographer or kind of sh sending things out. And to my way of thinking, the design becomes that much more truly your design if you actually create all the aspects of it. Um, mm -hmm. And so we kept doing that and that was kind of a trend for a while. And, uh, but we still do that. Uh, the designers that I 
have hired over the years all have to have the artistic skills to be able to not only um, render their ideas um, in a way that will present them to a client and to the rest of our team um, in, a, in a powerful way, but they also um, have to be able to actually execute um, the designs when it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. So I make sure that, uh, you know, the interns that we've hired and then uh, the young designers that we've hired all have the artistic skills to actually create art and incorporate it into their designs. So how much involvement do you have in Duffy at the minute then? Are you sort of, do you, do you pop in when you can, or you, I guess you can see work come in via email now, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm online <laughs> like this uh, with, with, <laughs> yeah. uh, with my two kids, uh, Bridget, who's been working with me for, wow, over 25 years. Uh, jo wow. Joseph, who's been working with me for 20 years. Um, they, they're running the company on a day-to-day -day basis, and they're in right. the design studio in Minneapolis day-to-day, uh, -day, along with Nancy Coolis, who's been working with me for over 25 years. Um, mm -hmm. So they're kind of running the show, and then um, I'm kind of retired, um, yeah. but I still love design, and I still love being involved with them. So I literally see what they're doing. <laughs> on a day-to-day yeah. -day basis. And then uh, if they want me to help with something or if they want my opinion, uh, I'm more than happy to get involved. But at the same time, I want them to really take it uh, mm. forward as they should because they're of a generation that relates so much better to what um, brands need today relative to design than, than, than I am. Uh, mm. And it allows me to get back to my roots and do what I uh, really love doing, uh, which is not having a client <laughs> um, and painting pictures. I do have clients, but I but but uh, typically they're coming to me to create a painting, uh, a portrait, or whatever, um, because they know what I'm going to do, as opposed to design clients who sometimes yeah. think I'll tell you what to do. <laughs> yeah. So uh, not such a strict deadline right. to get work back to them. A bit more relaxing. Yes, very much so. You just put headphones in and, yeah. and get on with it. <laughs> I see you, um, you're a fan of uh, cross-country ski. Have you had a chance to do any of that yeah, so far this year? You know, we have this home in Arizona, and uh, um, it's in the desert, and we love to get away from winter to a certain extent, but then we're mm -hmm. back in Minnesota, um, and we have a cabin up in northern Wisconsin, way up in the woods. Um, it now has about six feet of snow. Wow. And um, it, it's absolutely beautiful. So we spend um, part of our winter up there cross-country skiing, and I still get out every day when I'm up there and, uh, and cross-country skiing. I've, lo I've loved Nordic skiing since I was very young. And, uh, and when you live when you come from where I come from, um, you better have something that you enjoy in the cold and in the snow because a good part of the year is that way. I've always wanted to ski, but it looks so hard. Like you, you've got to balance on those little, what are they, well, skis. Yeah. They're about six inches wide or whatever. Yeah. I don't know, I, I think snowboarding, well, snowboarding is probably harder, but it looks fairly easier just because the board is, is thicker. <laughs> yeah. Have you, have you tried snowboarding or anything like that? Oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's fun. Um, my kids downhill ski and they backcountry ski and they're 
into Nordic skiing. Uh, my grandchildren are competitive in uh, in Nordic skiing, and uh, it's it's we we have a ball doing it. We have a cabin, oh. and we have uh, trails that we groom all the way around our our property. So we're up there on our uh, our land skiing, and uh, we have a ball. And then we come back, and. Uh, get in the hot tub and then we dry off and we go up to the studio and we paint pictures. It's pretty good. It sounds like a life. Yeah. You, you li you live it, you're living the dream. It sounds like you're living the dream. Absolutely. Exactly. I'll let you get going anyway, Joe, but it's been, a, it's been an absolute honor to, to speak to you. It really has. Well, it's, uh, I, I'm so grateful, um, for you taking the time to, uh, to do this and, uh, you're a great interviewer. And uh, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. And thank you very much. Let's stay in contact. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank Have a great you. morning, evening. Morning. Have a great day. It's 9 a.m., isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it's 9 a.m. Have a great day. Okay. Thanks so much. Cheers. Thanks, Talk Joe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.